0: Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas.
1: From Nola Pizza in the Nola Brewing Tap Room on
2: Champatula Street in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti, Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style.
3: Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. If you're like most people, you've got a bunch of apps on your phone. Some of them you use every day, others you have to think about for a moment and try to remember what they do. There are currently around 3.5 million apps available for download to Android users worldwide, and over 2 million apps for folks with Apple devices. So that's a total of somewhere a little south of 6 million apps. By comparison, how many websites do you think there are worldwide? That'll tell you. billion. Given that the number of people who use mobile devices worldwide is larger than the number of people who use standard computers, and given that apps run better on mobile devices than websites do, you'd have to wonder why this number isn't reversed. The answer is cost and skill. Anybody can get a hold of WordPress, Wix, Squarespace, or a number of other website builders and build their own website. And if you go through the domain registration places like GoDaddy, you can buy a website name and put up a website in almost the same time it takes to fill out your credit card information. On the other hand, if you've ever had an idea for an app and looked into getting it built, you'll know it is complicated and expensive. If you decide to go ahead and spend the money to hire a developer to build an app, it's a risky investment. You don't know if it's gonna work, and if it does, you don't know if you'll be able to get anyone to find it on an app store, so you don't know if you'll ever be able to recover your investment. A local app building company is changing all that. The company is called Blocks, spell B-L-O-K-S, Blox is the brainchild of Reed Stevens and Harry Fox. Reed and Harry met when they were working together at the LePage Entrepreneurship Center at Tulane University's Business School. Blocks is an app-building tool that anyone can use. With Blocks, you can build an app yourself with modules, the same way you use WordPress or Wix to build a website. And if your app doesn't work or nobody uses it, well, you don't get to be a billionaire, but it also hasn't cost you anything because Blocks is free.
2: Harry Fox and Reed Stevens, co founders of Blocks, welcomed out to lunch. Thanks, right. Peter. Thanks for having us. Can I keep that speech? You did a much better job introducing <laughs> us than we ever have. Him. You think that should be the ad? <laughs> that was great. That I think we might make ad. a commercial.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Harry and Reed, in the past 10 years, dinner and barroom conversations frequently seem to include somebody at some point saying, there ought to be an app for that. Giving people a simple, accessible, and free method of Turning an idea into an app seems like it would be the biggest development in online creation since way back when WordPress pioneered the same process for websites. Anybody using your system, Blocks, can easily build their own version of apps as complex as Tinder, Uber, TikTok, or any kind of app-based e-commerce. It's hard to imagine how Blocks could be anything but a huge success. I know you've been testing it to make sure it works, and as you roll it out slowly, but what are you expecting to happen when you push it out on a large-scale marketing campaign? I'll start with Harry. What, what do you, you think is around the corner?
2: Um, well, we certainly hope that a lot of people are interested in, and it's like you say that it's a huge success. Uh, I think we're also expecting a lot of issues of <laughs> various kinds. Those seem to be the most regular part of, I guess, having a startup and being in business. But um, I think the thought is that all of these people are talking about making apps. Half the time I tell people I'm a bartender, so I don't have to listen to their <laughs> dating app ideas. <laughs> um, so if we can capture a good portion of the um, DYI business founders out there, I think we'll do pretty well.
3: And and Reid, um, you guys discuss this all the time. but. Uh, uh, you're, there you were at the at the LePage Center, which is just down the hall from me at the at the business school. What were you working on together? I mean, why why did they hire you? This probably wasn't it, right? Yeah. So I think uh, you know they were originally looking for
1: people to be kind of like uh, tech consultants, and I guess we looked like the nerds for the job, so they hired us. Um, and at the time, this is actually the third startup we've worked on. So we we started working on something before. Um, and I mean after a while we realized there was just no shot that was ever gonna happen so we moved on to another thing um, and we worked on that for a while we called it stock blocks very similar concept to blocks. So stock but blocks, so what was that about? Was st- it about stocks? It was about stocks, yeah so it was essentially like we kind of have this theme of like making technology more available for people uh, so the idea here was that you know a lot of the larger trading firms and banks use a lot of technology that's not accessible to people to trade and so we're kind of making like um, you know algorithmic and computer assisted trading more accessible so we worked on that for a long time um, and then we, we were in the entrepreneurship center and we realized like every person coming in had like the same problem
3: you know it was like we... so these are people that want to create an app but yeah. I mean, it was just an
1: entrepreneurship center, but for some reason, you might as well have just called it the App Creation Center because like no there was <laughs> yeah, no other things that came, in, uh, that came in with. So essentially, after having enough people ask us if we could use this trading software to help them build an app, we eventually were just like, you know, maybe we should put some thought into this whole app creation thing. And so that was kind of the, uh,
3: the birthplace of that. I can, I can bet that college students come up with a lot of Let's say uh,
1: half-baked ideas. Oh. Ooh, there were some good ones. There were some bad
2: ones. I tell this story all the time, actually. We had this kid come in one time. It was early. It must have been like 9 in the morning. I can't believe he was awake. And his eyes were bleeding. Like, he would clearly just crawled out of, like, a smoky bathroom. And he's unbelievably excited, and he tells me about the best business ideas he's ever heard of, and he's going to make this app, and it's a dating app for dogs. Oh. Yeah. Well, wow, not dog owners. Well, yeah, so like you know, <laughs> that you post pictures of your dog and people say, Oh, I like that dog, and then you go out on the date with the other so dogs. Like you have a Labrador, or, or, I have a poodle and we're gonna make a Labradoodle. It's a good match.
3: That's uh, they, uh <laughs> Reed, walk me through let's say I've got an idea for oh I'm gonna compete with Uber for instance. Okay. I walk in the door with you and what do you say and why does it get started?
1: Yeah, so I think the first thing is, um, you know, kind of like thinking through, like, what do you want this app to do? And if you want it to be like Uber, then you've got a pretty good benchmark. Um, In fact, whenever you're actually starting on our platform, the first thing we ask is, like, my app is similar to, and you've got a couple lists, like Uber, Amazon, Airbnb. Um, So we kind of try to help people identify with apps that exist. You kind of, like, subconsciously know the flow of the app. Uh, It kind of, you know, gets over a big hurdle of, of actually building an app. Um, But then from there, we start going into um, things like, you know, the fun stuff first to make it like a little bit more exciting. We're going to go, you know, we'll give you a template and then you go and change the styling, make it look the way that you want it to look. Uh, We find people have the most fun with that. Um, So then from there, then you have to get into some of the the more tricky stuff. We try to pre-configure as much as we can. Um, But yeah, I mean, so the idea is we start off with the hard stuff and then we kind of work to the more nitty gritty so that. Um, We start off with the easy stuff and then we work to the more nitty-gritty, so it's kind of like, starts off fun, you get an idea, like, you know, know, everyone has this idea of what they want an app to be, but very few people have, like, thought through, like, when you first open it, this is the page you're going to land on. And then next you go here, you know, so we start off trying to essentially walk you through that process without you really knowing it. Um, And then get into some of the other trickier stuff like, you know, how do you configure the map and the riders and stuff like that?
3: So it's the two of you um, not just two of you. It's you and the client kind of going uh, going through these steps they so Harry uh, Reed mentioned, you know meeting with a client and such but that's not kind of what is being described here It's sort of like do it. It's more like do it yourself,
2: right? Yeah so the Overall goal of the platform is to be basically Wix for mobile apps. Um, Like Reed Detailed, making an app is more complicated than like the normal person probably anticipates. And basically the past two years we've been trying to figure out how to make that accessible for people. So we meet with a lot of people and sit with them to work through exactly what they can sort of piece together on their own. And through that, we've kind of adapted this like weird second business model where a lot of times they end up hiring us because they can't do this or there's some special unique thing that they want. So there's sort of this like two-armed business of what we want to be, which is this standalone software um, or website and uh, sort of like semi-dev shop. And how much of a techie do you need to be? the we hope zero really
3: okay um but you only hang out with other techies you have no idea like if we went out i think you'd get a better right. perspective that's
1: that's why we spending a lot of time sitting <laughs> with these people who are trying to make apps yeah, um <laughs> the the less technical the better you know
3: and reed I, i've g- got to ask you how do you make money um you know you were in my class and that's a big part of the class <laughs> you know it's um,
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> So it's essentially the way we do it is it's free to build your app and then once you launch it depending on you know how many users you have um, then you start paying based on that so essentially like whenever you're just starting it's free or very cheap and then as you scale we kind of scale with you, so that you know if you know you're just starting the the cost isn't gonna be burdensome um, but if you're large and thriving then
3: you know we can cover our costs as well. And Harry um, now you were at the Peace Corps for a while, so I you know you might have offered. Seems things like for another free. life, but yeah, uh, there's nothing. <laughs> yeah. How much? If you if you didn't use you guys and you went to a standard app builder, how much money are we talking about that somebody would have to pay?
2: It depends on the app, but if you Google around, you'll find the average will go for like 150 grand.
3: 150 grand. Yeah. So at that point, I mean, you're in. You're all in. It's,
2: yeah, I think, like, the risk is insurmountable for most people, right? Because you might not work, and that's crazy. Now, when you
3: say insurmountable, one of the things that kind of comes to mind for me is that the person that can put down 150000 is kind of a upper-middle-class, upper-class uh, kind of person. This seems to open it up to, um, to everyone. It's got to be one of the huge social benefits. Yeah,
1: I think that's kind of our goal. Um, you know, we see, we saw this firsthand from like a student point of view, uh, with the students. I think zero of the ones that we talked to being able to actually afford the cost of making app.
2: Well, it was Tulane. Uh, there was maybe like a. There was probably. It was Tulane. There was probably a couple, <laughs> but I,
1: I think of all the ideas, we probably had like a hundred people come in with different app ideas, and I think one person went and got it developed. Um, and I don't see it getting much better at any, other, yeah, many other places aside from Tulane. So I think you know if it's one percent at Tulane, we probably assume it could be less most other places. So I think those are the people that were like trying to help the most, um, because you find that there's like this catch twenty two, of like you want to build an app, but that's going to cost a lot of money and take all your time. So you can't work to afford the app, and then people are like, oh, I'll just get a technical co founder. But a lot of times, like, oh, I want to have uh, certainty that it's gonna work before as a tech person coming on um, so it's hard to get a technical co-founder without an app it's hard to get investment without an app but it's hard to get the app so it's like how do you how do you make this happen so there's a lot of great ideas we found that uh, we wanted to bring to life at the time and I think that's kind of the big reason we started this. we had a slogan at
2: one point like mobile apps for everyone or something like yeah, that. yeah mobile mm-hmm. apps made easy yeah yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. want
3: to bring the folk guitar and the kumbaya that's I know a, I know that's so great they and Harry, um, first of all, I can't get the dog dating thing out of my head. But <laughs> I rec- could tell you like back, <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: <there's> a hundred <laughs> bad, like unbelievable. Uh, is there competition out there for you guys?
2: Yeah, th- there definitely is. There's a handful of other companies that do this. They vary in like exactly what they do, uh, what they specialize in. I guess is a better word. Um, when we started this, the idea was to be like you can make any mobile app. And we quickly realized that that would be like insurmountable for us to create and wouldn't allow us to be like specific enough to make it easy enough for anyone. So a lot of these companies specialize in doing something. Um, Either that or they're geared towards people who have tech knowledge. It's the sort of two baskets of them. It's like speed up development for developers. And then there's like Here's a very specific task that you can create an app for, like your restaurant, uh, and we make restaurant apps. Or uh, I think one of the big ones is like conferences. And make when
3: it. I started by you know just coming up with a make-believe scenario here and said I want to be like Uber, it's um, a great copy, example. Are there for copyright <laughs> issues
0: with that?
2: I mean, not. Um, no. Really? Tomorrow. Not if you call yeah, it Uber not, or something. Not, not to you know, if,
1: if someone else came and made an app and they called it Uber and it did what Uber does, then it just wouldn't be able to go in the app store. Apple would say, hey, we already have this. you know, so. How about that?
3: I, I, let's jump ahead to that because that's what everybody's thinking. The whole Apple app you know, gateway. Uh,
2: yeah, they have a couple of lawsuits right now, too. Yeah. Yeah, I know, yeah. So that's another thing that makes it a little bit more complicated than websites. Is there's no guardian to getting out there. When you make uh, there, is, there's no guardian for websites, right? So if you make a website, you can just put it on. No one's checking. You're listening to Out to
3: Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Harry Fox and Reed Stevens from the DIY app building company Blocks. And you know, we think about these different apps. Um, you've got kind of, I guess, in these big categories, you've got social media apps like Facebook, you've got, you know, dating apps like Tinder, uh, sharing apps like TikTok, uh, you know, then you've got like Marketplace, like Etsy. I mean, do you do, those have all got to be very different from each other. Do you feel like you could do them all?
1: So, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think there was a time where we were set on doing all of them. And I think we quickly realized that um, to be able to do all of them means that we're not going to do any of them very well. Um, or it's just going to be very difficult for people to actually do them. So uh, we look back at you know all the different people we've talked to and all the different app ideas we talked to, and that we realized that probably around 60 to 70 percent fell in one bucket, um, and that was this kind of gig economy marketplace type thing. Um, so we decided to focus on that because we we didn't see anything else out there that even allows you to do that. Um, so yeah, so right now you know. While social media stuff like that may be a little bit easier, the the biggest demand we found was in like the Uber, Airbnb, Amazon type space. Uh, so that's kind of our gonna be our bread and butter, like what we focus on.
3: And Harry, do you have to? Um, you've got to have something in there for people to be able to pay if you're gonna go in that area.
2: Yeah, it's funny you bring that up. So that's actually sort of the whole business model. Like you said, it's free. Uh, our variable costs are hosting and hosting the apps and transmitting the data. So if you have a small app, it costs us next to nothing. When you get bigger, there's more data transfer, there's more storage, and that's why our, our costs kind of scale from there. Um, but. Essentially, we also facilitate payments, and then there's the other side. Yeah, it's going to say facilitate payments. And that's payments. where they can sort of our whole our whole bread and butter is handling the payments for marketplaces.
3: Reed, we joked earlier about you know students wanting to create an app, but who is your target market?
2: Our target market, yeah. So
1: I think for a while <laughs> <Not> we <students. laughs> we we thought it was students. Um, I think one of the issues with students is like you know as a student you're super pumped about something one day and then you got a final the next day and then right. you forget about it you know mm-hmm. and so I think you know you we got a girlfriend you can't remember the app <laughs> exactly <laughs> so. you know it happens and life is so variable at that time but I I think you know you know hopefully we will end up working with a lot of students because you know that is probably the people we know the best um but I think that probably our, our biggest market is you know i'd say like young professionals with an idea maybe they're working part-time or full-time but they've been thinking on this for a long time and you know maybe they don't have 150000 dollars to pull the trigger but after work they could you know work on blocks build their app in a few days and then put it out there and see if it works maybe put a little bit of money towards you know getting it up and running um but it's for like the people who are you know, I kinda call it like the skeptical entrepreneur who is like, you know, I've been dreaming of this, I wanna make this happen, but you know, I gotta be realistic, I gotta work, you know, I can't afford $150,000. side hustles at this point, yeah. So kinda, yes, I would say like side hustles, you know, and hopefully we can, you know, Get and keep some of like the you know larger series startups that that actually will be on there and scale for good. And hopefully we can scale with them
2: as well. The keeping is the whole thing, right? Yeah. So like, it we want people to stay with us as long as possible, because the bigger they get, the more financially beneficial that is for us. So, We're on the same page there. That's good. Yeah, uh, for yeah. every for everyone, them yeah. and us. And that's sort of the problem with students is. If we had 10,000 people that made apps on blocks, but those apps never went anywhere, we would never go anywhere either. And you've put the time in on the front end, so... Mm. The focus is on people that are more likely to
3: follow through. I was thinking about how you'd advertise, I guess, directly on social media, but this would be the kind of thing I would think that once you got a couple of people out there and they were happy with it, they would definitely become the... Uh, evangelists for something like this, right?
1: Yeah, I think if there was just one person at the Entrepreneurship Center um, that had used a product like this, uh, I think everyone in the Entrepreneurship Center would have used it. And I know if we would have heard about it, we looked for this. This was literally what we were building now, what we were trying to find then. Um, and I think if we would have found it or if anyone else would have found it, we would have probably pushed that to everyone else that came in with that same problem. So yeah, there's definitely kind of like a viral effect within like that you know,
3: entrepreneurship type community. And so when you think about it in terms of them keeping the app going, you're trying to get kind of a royalty stream or whatever coming through that, which is, um, if it gets going, that's like the greatest way to make a living, right? You get new clients and you still have the residual, They um, what is it they call that in the oil field? If you're if you sell some, you rent some land, and they give you part of the oil. It's like uh, mailbox money. So that would be uh, <laughs> that be that be what what you need. How are you going to roll it out? By the way, it's. Uh, I know you you said you're going to roll it out slowly, which seems to be the absolute right idea. How do you plan to do it?
2: You brought up a good point. We talk about this all the time. In my experience, at least, entrepreneurship tends to be like pretty concentrated, and you can find places like we could point out five places in New Orleans that are, you know. 80% of the entrepreneurs frequent in this town uh, Idea Village, LePage Center, Propeller, etc. So, the idea is to identify these places in different cities and try and spread the word of blocks throughout them, whether it be through uh, some kind of incentive or uh, like affiliate marketing or just reaching out to them, seminars, whatever. However, we can reach people in these groups. I think you're right that, um, you know, through like a high concentrated entrepreneurship area, that it would spread pretty quickly.
3: Yeah, the, and you mentioned Idea Village. You guys went through that, right?
1: Yeah, we actually were in the last cohort. So,
3: wow, that's uh, that's terrific. Did uh, we always ask people that have been through incubators? Um, what did they give to you? I mean, you had the idea. You had worked at the LaPage Center to give you some structure.
1: I think they gave us some structure. I think the biggest thing they did is. Um, Probably the networking, like they had some really incredible mentors uh, that they set us up with. I think our mentor, you know, I think we're probably biased, but we thought he was the best person we could have been paired with. Uh, he essentially, he's, he was a big guy at Microsoft, you know, he like really was influential in developing. Yeah, his name is Sumitra. Okay, uh, good, He's good. He's the man. And, and we... Uh, so you know he had gone through. He helped create Azure, which like Microsoft's cloud infrastructure. You know we uh, basically holistically operate in the cloud. So you know he was just really helpful at you know seeing things from a tech point of view. But he's also started businesses, so he's got both those perspectives. And you know he was just one of the many mentors that they set us up with. And they you know I think that was probably the biggest thing. So whenever you have a question that you know, otherwise you wouldn't really be able to figure out by just Googling. Uh, you know, there was a person to turn to to ask. And they had either done it or knew someone who had. So I think that was probably one of the biggest benefits there.
2: And meeting people like uh, in the community as well. They introduced you to investors and mm, industry experts and all sorts of people throughout your city. Um, So, so Harry, the
3: the app has become kind of a a must-have, right? I mean, you mentioned to go to the next stage to get money from investors and all that. Kind of expecting that, right?
2: We saw this all the time at LePage. Basically, there's this sort of, like, back and forth, whereas investors will say to you, um, okay, go make your app, and if it catches on, I'll give you money. Um, But they can't make the app without the money. (laughs) So So that's catch-22. A lot of ideas never come to light.
3: Have you, um, you know, I think this must be interesting. When people come to you, you must see some good ideas and some terrible ideas. Do you have it must be tough to tell somebody they have a terrible idea, right? That would be Harry, right, is the tougher of the two of you. Oh, man,
1: this guy. <laughs> no. You'd sit there be like, oh, that's, that's a great I never idea. say anything. That's a great idea. You should definitely build that. <laughs> and I'm giving him a hard time, but I probably did the same thing. It's hard to tell someone their baby's ugly, you know? You don't want to do that, so. Do you remember the vending
2: machine on wheels?
1: Oh, I would not going to bring it up. <laughs> In case he's listening to this, I
3: didn't want to bring it up. <laughs> that's a classic. <laughs> but on the other hand, do you do you recognize something is, that's really going to work? Like they, somebody walks in and you There's go, There's been
1: a few that had some, there were some really solid ideas that we've heard. And there was a lot that I think is one of the big reasons we wanted to start this. Because we're like, you know, I really like that idea. And I'd really like to see that happen. And unfortunately, as of right now, I don't see a way that that can happen. Unless, you know, you win the lottery tomorrow and you can pay for it. You know? So I think... I think, yeah, that was the, the good ideas are what kind of kept us going and seeing how excited people were about them. So.
3: You know, one thing I, I was going to add to it is you guys, the turnaround seems because they're do it yourself and all that. Um, but ordinarily, uh, even if you paid big money, it would take like, what, four or five
2: months to. Minimum. Yeah, yeah four probably. Four or five months to is a very
1: up. simple app. Yeah. Usually you're
3: looking like eight to nine, maybe.
2: Could be up to a year, really, to build like a custom app.
3: You know, I think I think people would be. They love the idea, but it's so good they'd almost be skeptical. Do you get that? Like, why, yeah. why are you doing this for free?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it, it is, it's is—it's free to build, you know. And then, you know, once you as a, as an app company become, like, successful and you've got a lot of users and we're, you know, paying to host all of this stuff, then, you know, then we start you start paying at that point because, you know, we need to cover our costs.
3: Too. Right. You know, I love what you're doing. And I just keep thinking, you know, once you've put your shingle out there and you've made it so accessible to everyone... You must get some really bad ideas for, for an app. I mean, is there, any, is there any ones that kind of jump out? I
1: think we're probably are thinking of the same one off the bat.
2: Yeah, I don't know where to, I mean, that is by far the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. I don't even, know, like... I don't even know how to explain that. So, are you thinking
1: the vending machine <laughs> I'm thinking one? the vending machine. So, okay, so essentially, you know, from my understanding of this, is there's a vending machine that is on wheels, and it rolls around the city, and it's like, it brings the snacks not to you, but just around. And then the idea was that it was so novel that people would just want to use it because it's on wheels instead of stationary. And then you have an app that tells you where the vending machine is at all times, time because it's more fun to chase after a vending machine than go to one that's standing there. And, like, and this was not supposed to, like, happen in, you know, the nice streeted area. Like, this was, like, downtown or in the quarter. Can and I was, like, it's going to fall on somebody. It's got potholes. World. Like, there's just no way. Um, and and Didn't the, it, like, speak to you, too?
3: <laughs> it was, uh, like, a robot. I, yeah, it's supposed to talk to you.
1: And I just remember the, the thing. was, like, I did the hard part. I got the LLC for it. And so the rest should be easy. And I was, like, whew. I don't think. I think we're overlooking a couple of steps here.
3: You know what's not too far afield, though, is we um, we had a, a guy on the show that created a, an app to find food trucks around the town. Okay. So, But it's the wheels and the vending machines yeah, seem to like be the, the problem. Yeah, like the food
1: truck is driven by a human. That was my biggest worry. I was like, all you need is this, for this one vending machine to hit a pothole and fall on a kid. And then you're... And then
3: you're
1: Or done. some
2: drunk dude to like smash the yeah. glass, steal all the food and take a leak inside of it. And yeah, it <laughs> of <the road. laughs> well,
3: I appreciate this because you, you've really thought this out now, Harry. Here's a good example. <laughs> we have been <laughs> laughing
2: about this one for three years. Yeah, it's a good one. But what cracked me up, There was there's a million dating ideas that like get really fringe. I always tell people that like, okay, Uber exists, Amazon exists, like the good ideas are left like in niche space. So people come back to me with like maybe two niche things. The dog dating app was like, you know, it's kinda of cute, whatever, it's probably not gonna work, but we've heard every potential dating scheme under the sun.
3: I've I've gotta to, gotta to think it's gonna be really bad if you come back in five years and that vending machine with the wheels is a publicly traded company Honestly, on the NASDAQ. I
1: hope that it is. I would go get I would get all of my goods out of these vending machines if he can make it happen. I think I thought, it was, you know, It would be incredible.
3: Now, Harry, you know, I'll go to sleep tonight just thinking about this dog dating app. So I have to, to, at first I'd like to have that leave my mind. But uh, secondly, we've had somebody on the show was very interesting and they had a dog dating app that was for for the owners. And uh, that makes more sense to me. Good, so this
2: really was the dogs. This was like blind dating where you chose people based on the dog. So like you didn't see the other people You chose by the dog, and then you went out with the parent. (laughs) Oh, that would be so mysterious,
3: because people do look like their dogs sometimes. As a ridiculous idea,
2: it's kind of actually fun, but maybe a bit much. When people write business plans,
3: they're typically expected to include some sort of overall goal for their new business. Some people plan on building a company that is attractive enough to be bought by a bigger company. Uh, Others are shooting for a specific goal, like acquiring a target number of customers. And then there's the kind of ridiculous goal inspired by companies like Amazon and Apple that is commonly referred to as world domination. Uh, (laughs) Obviously, for most companies starting out, that that kind of goal is politely unrealistic. Actually, it's delusional is what it is. But, But when you look at what you've created here with blocks, Reed and Harry, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that your company could become a very serious player in the world of online creation. The center of the universe is already our phone, and most of our phone use is all about apps. If you can get Blocks out into the world, you might well be in a position to embark on at least some version of world domination. (laughs) Congratulations on getting Blocks up and running. We look forward to following your progress, and thank you both for taking the time to join me today and out to lunch. Thanks so much for having us. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Reed Stevens and Harry Fox, co founders of Blocks. We edited the show to fit into the time slot here on WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Reed, Harry, and building your own app and world domination by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast on your podcast app. And on our website, itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill Lafleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch.
0: Out to Lunch was recorded live over lunch at the Nola Brewing Tap Room, 3001 Chapatula Street. Open seven days a week. Nola Brewing Tap Room has a wide variety of craft beers and authentic hand-tossed New York-style city pizza by Nola Pizza. More information is at nolabrewing.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Out to Lunch is brought to you by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie. And by The It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.